what do you think the impact of that album is on hip hop? I think overall, um, they found this really unique pocket at the time uh, of uh, incorporating not just what they like, but like a time frame that was before them. So like the 70s, incorporating it into the 90s, blending it the way that they did. Because before that, you know, we of course we had Tribe and they, the way that they did it with their music and the jazz feel, incorporating that with hip hop. But with this, it was like this black exploitation meets hip hop in the 90s. It was this really, really great feel. So I think what they brought to it was just more so leaning into these niche references that they really fucked with and putting it on wax. It was really, really dope and, and forming a concept out of it. Cause we got that yeah. a little bit with Wu-Tang with, uh, you know, with the Kung Fu references mm -hmm. and, and Shaolin and everything. But I don't think it was done uh, like this. Yeah, I think what they did was pretty dope because they they made themselves a comedic duo in hip hop. Like they, everything was just lighthearted and really like fun and like flavorful and like it kind of just makes you smile and puts you in a really good mood. Like I said, like they made like cookout music or like rooftop music. Like, mm -hmm. like it's very much summer in NYC. Like when you hear it, so. For me, I think like the impact was a lot greater than a lot of people give them credit for. And it was just that like in 97 and 98, hip hop was so over the top and glamorous and big that they didn't shine, but they still like were able to like carve out like a little space for themselves, mm -hmm. for people to like appreciate them. And like, it's funny because it was like, they kind of like, they, they kind of like embodied the term, your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Yeah. It was an otherwise crowded year for rap. They they stood out in that way yeah. because it was it was completely different from what else was out there. Yeah, man. Um, I hope that I hope that Camp Low. That I, I really hope that Camp Low like gets their like flowers. I hope that fucking Ski Beats gets his flowers. Mm -hmm. I think that like he had was, a great year. Yeah, he had I a just, great year that year. Yeah, he did. I just think that like what they did with this being like their opening their debut project, given that concept, having this album cover that like. You can't like escape. It's so revered. Yeah, like it's so loved and revered. Like I just think like what they did was like really, really like fucking brilliant and smart. And um, I hope that like down the road like they can like get like honored. Like I hope I hope Nori gets them on on Drake Champ soon. That'd be fire. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I, I know that they said they read emails. I think I think I'm just gonna do that. Just just being a hip hop fan, you know, they need they need to talk to camp. Yeah, it's just something they just need to do because also like I feel like. When I when I really thought about, I was like yo this is it they play they used to play that instrumental so much on the radio just mm -hmm. for fucking just cause you could still just hear it every now and then yeah. just randomly mm -hmm. and and a lot of people I think the problem is with them not getting their flowers the way that people probably think that they should is um they don't tie this is it to them they just hear it and just be like oh yeah I know this song absolutely and they don't look into like you know. Who, who did it, you know? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I didn't know what they looked like. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing, too. And they're not big into press. They're not big yeah. into doing interviews. Even when we was revisiting this album, trying to find interviews was like, yeah. like pulling those, teeth. Like, those guys are like the embodiment. You know how some rappers like, y'all care about all that fame shit, this mm -hmm. and that. Like, they really, like, you could, like, it's obvious they really don't give a fuck. Like, they had their success, they do their shows, they get their money, and then. They just keep it moving. They right? really mind their yeah, fucking they business. Really they fucking shout business. out to the shout out to the Bronx legends though. Yes, absolutely, man. Catch you guys next time. Let us know what you think. <laughs>
Welcome to Rap in Order, the interrogation of a hip-hop album, where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums, put them on the stand, see if they stood the test of time. Now let's see who we got on the stand today. Welcome to another episode of Rap in Order. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Tori and B. <sighs> this feels good. We're getting into an album that is very, very new to me, but it's it's an old album. Um, but even before all of that, how, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Um... Actually, so today we're recording, and it's Juneteenth, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. So happy Juneteenth! We ain't got to do none of that shit no more. We ain't got to do none of that video. shit. No <laughs> um, so that was cool. Um, Mom was in town for the weekend. Mm-hmm. It was her birthday on Saturday, and then we celebrated Father's Day yesterday. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Um, hung out with my siblings and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to City Island. That was chaotic. Why? So was it packed? Yo. Yeah, so I guess everybody had the same idea, like mm-hmm. go to City Island for Father's Day. So literally, like once you get onto the island, like you know, you can go to Orchard Beach or, or go to City Island. Traffic literally bumper to bumper. So it was so many times where I was. And this was like the middle traffic. of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Four o'clock. So yeah. and I like have so many thoughts of like turning around, but then what happened is is that um, my mom, one of my mom's best friends, I call her Aunt Stacy. She was already there, so she made reservations for us. So basically, the incentive was. When we pull up, we're probably going to get seated as soon as we pull yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Because the wait was like forty minutes. So yeah. she was like, "Yo, if y'all just stay in y'all cars, like y'all going to y'all going to be seated." Soon yeah. Day. So that was the incentive. So it worked out. All right, that's small. What restaurant yeah. y'all went to? Um, the name of the restaurant, Sammy's. Hmm. That's so faithful. I like Sammy's. I don't make it to City Island often enough. Right. But I you do know right about there. yeah. But I do know about Sammy's. Sammy's is good. For me, I didn't. I didn't really do much. I had to. I had to work. Then after work, I went to go see my uncle, and he was just like watching some shit on CNN. And they just, when they older, man, they just like when you watch TV with them. So yeah, I nah. just, I just went over there. We watched TV, and then, um, yeah, he made something to eat, and then I passed out on his couch. I but like, you. yeah, you one hundred percent right because my <laughs> grandfather. Like, he lives in Co-op City, and he literally told me, he was like, it don't got, because, you know, I saw him for his birthday, mm-hmm. I saw him for, he was like, it don't got to be anything, and I was like, oh, I just be trying to do something like that. He was like, he was like, just pull up to the house, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, That's okay. It. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you know, like, sometimes, like, I think people, like, as you get older, people like time. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't care about material shit. That's a fact. None of that. They just want you to just hang out with them and shit like that, because, you know. Not to get sentimental, but as people get older, they lose more friends. Yeah. So in yeah. that time, they're like, yo, I don't have nobody to hang out with. Just so sit just there. Come chill with me. You could just sit there and it just be in silence. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all my aunt be wanting. Yeah. Like, I, I go over there and we just watch Family Feud. Yeah. That's it. That's Family it. Feud. Fucking um, Will of Fortune. I still got to tell her that they switching hosts. That's about <laughs> to turn her world upside down. But that's all they like. That's all they like, man. But that's cool. Real wholesome, wholesome weekend. Um... As far as this album that we're getting into, though, um, Uptown Saturday Night is the album, and it's from Camp Low. It was released in 1997, top of that year. It was a big year, actually, for albums. Um, Camp Low, if you're not familiar, consists of Sonny, Sonny Chiba and Geechee, Geechee Suede. Mm-hmm. Um, this album was entirely produced by Ski, uh, almost entirely produced, I think with the exception of one song. Ski was actually... It kind of got me thinking, too, because he was on fire on this time. Like, the year before this, he had production credits on Reasonable Doubt. Yeah. Biggie was checking for him. Um, but as far as the focal point of Camp Lowe's album, this album came out, and um, 
has this real, they found a way to kind of blend 90 sound at that time in 97 with the 70s. And so they did that as like the theme of this album. Um, even the title, Uptown Saturday Night, is a direct reference to the 1974 film from Bill Cosby and um, Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of get the black exploitation vibe from this album. And even the cover is like a... a it's one of the most iconic like, yeah. hip-hop covers in like history. It was, it's from the um, Marvin Gaye album, I mm-hmm. Want You. And it's an interpolation of uh of the Good Times sitcom. Yes, hold on. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have it written down here. Yeah, it's uh so let's see. Mm-hmm. Um it was uh the Sugar Shack. Yeah, the painting by Ernie Barnes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's what I gotta do. I gotta make sure when I take my notes that I actually like put something there to like make sure that like you can see it. But yeah, Ernie mm-hmm. Barnes, Sugar Shack painting. Um, and that's like the last picture. Like when you see the opening of the show, Good Times. I don't yeah. know if any of you guys ever seen Good Times. No, I, I know. Yeah, yeah. Audiences, but yeah, at the end of it, they they show that, and that's like an iconic photo. Mm-hmm. And, and I fucking actually, uh, fucking Eddie Murphy bought the original one. Yeah, I heard. It's and he, crazy. And he got it for a good price. Yeah, too, he got it for like fifty grand. Yo, but now it's come like, up. Yeah. <laughs> fucking come up. Fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, what were you gonna say? Um, pretty much. I was just going to like piggyback off of like what you said. What I what I thought is that how much like for so they 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 have like a lot of like similarities and like a lot of things that like they um that they have in common. Like basically mm-hmm. like um they were born in the same hospital in the Bronx. Oh shit, I didn't know they that. They were born in the same hospital in the Bronx and then they also have like um like their both of their like first names and shit like that are like the same. So it's like um damn, I got to find it but like both of their like God-given first names are the same. Mm-hmm. They have the same, like, first God-given first names. Um, it just felt, like, differently with, like, different, like, initials and shit like that, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, uh, Sonny Chiba, he got his name from um, uh, the Kung Fu um, flick character, right? And Geechee Suede is the character Geechee Dawn in Uptown Saturday Night. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, like, they, like their black exploitation goes great. Yeah. Like, goes deep. But I think it's just, like... I think all rappers that were like born in like the sixties or whatever like that, that's just like that that was like their golden era. So like mm-hmm. they're gonna like reference yeah. all of those movies and like all of those things, right? Yeah. So I, and I think like so with our generation, <clears throat> they are going like we, we might reference like Sega Genesis mm-hmm. or like Street Fighter mm-hmm. or like certain cars that we saw and stuff like that, like that were like important. And I think it just keeps going on. So I'm actually curious to see how kids that like grew up, I guess that were like, I guess they would have been born in the 2000s, but grew up in the 2010s. Yeah. How they reference things. It's going to be a lot of Drake references. <laughs> a lot of Drake, a lot of Kendrick. Go. do you think like, okay, outside of that, do you think we'll get like a lot of like, okay, like references like to movies and shit like that? Yes. And then also to 2000s lore. Like I have a friend actually that threw a 2000s party the other day. Those are more, that's more of a normalized thing now. I critique the fuck out of, uh, Retro parties. Why? Because I feel like people always get it wrong, or like people like lazily like do the themes, or they blur, or they blur certain things together. Yeah, yeah, they do. And That's it always true. drives me nuts. And it's like I realize that like, I just gotta like just leave it the hell alone because I'm pretty Cause it's sure like oh uh, yeah, they're just having fun. But yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure when we would have like 80s and 70s parties or whatever like that, like it would it wouldn't be correct. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I'm too much of a perfectionist to not to not get it exactly right. Like yeah. if I have a 70s party, like. I really, really want 
motherfuckers that have on like real life bell bottoms and like wear like Lee jeans and shit you like want, that. You yeah. want fish floating in the platforms. Yes. <laughs> exactly. In the 80s, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want motherfuckers wearing like the, the correct Adidas. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see no Nikes because Nike was not popular in yeah. the 80s until, yeah, until, until, like, until the late 80s. I get that. But yeah, certain things I just... People, people be wearing... Like for the two thousands party, they'll wear like a fucking band aid to reference Nelly, but yeah. have a Supreme shirt on. It's yeah, like, you know, what's it's going like, on? Yeah, like nah, you can't wear that. You can't yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it, I get it. Um, but yeah, so I guess I guess I agree with you there. But for this album, I do like when I was listening to it, and um, actually when you were when you referenced this album for us to do it, I was like, okay, that'd be a good challenge because I actually never heard this album. Mm. We all know the big song, uh, Lucini, aka This Is It. Um, as being the hit single and the the lone like biggest reference for this album when anybody references this album or it's usually the album artwork and this song mm-hmm. um so it's a big deal for this group um and they hit it out the park with this one are there any other was this your first time listening to this album it was okay and um, what what was your overall like thought going into it so my first overall thought going into it um I listened to it, and it's funny because um, my mom was coming in town, so mm-hmm. I had to clean up. Mm-hmm. So um, me and Sarah like were cleaning up. After Sarah, shout out to Sarah. Love you, babe. She made the suggestion for us to do the album. So with that being said, I go upstairs and like, I'm cleaning. So I hear like the intro, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then I hear, this is it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like oh, okay. Like, oh, these niggas. These niggas. <laughs> Okay, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, when, it, when this album dropped, like I was just very like into Jay Z, and mm-hmm. like I was still like Biggie and May, like Jay Z, Biggie, Mace, and Big Willie style came out this year. Mm-hmm. So like you know, like that's what I was worried about, right? So for the most part, I just like made sure that I knew that. But listening to it, I could tell immediately that they they definitely like love black exploitation. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a feel good album. It stood out like a sore thumb. How different this project was from all the other projects that came out in 97 and i think that's what made me like understand like okay cool like they they were just on like a different time like there wasn't anything about like violence they weren't like you know it was it wasn't anything about colorism it wasn't anything political like they just dead ass made like something that was just a feel good album yeah and i actually was kind of like relieved by it and i and i was just like shot i'm like like, I know how much this album is beloved and everything like that, but, like, this is actually, like, a perfect, like, cookout, like, kickback rooftop album. You can yeah. play this shit all the way through. Yeah. Like, and just be chilling. Um, It's just funny. Like, when you said that about, like, nothing political, nothing like that, it made me think of Dead Press. Mm-hmm. So I was looking to see uh, when their Let's Get Free album came out. It was only three years later, but I could see them listening to this, getting inspired in some way, shape, form, and take it at another level and deciding to focus on the political stuff. Um, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that was actually the focus, but this album came out, it wasn't like a big success. I think later on it It became, yeah, it was a slow burn. I actually peaked at number 27 on billboard, um, which back then was like, but you know, now, you know, numbers wise shit don't really matter as much as it used to. Um, But let's get into, let's get into some, some tracks from this album and um and how you felt overall you already mentioned but what are some of your key takeaways some of my key takeaways are that um ski is a very underrated producer same yeah that's right. what i he's thought he's a very underrated producer but like i see i heard that like he kind of like is 
I don't, don't want to use the word recluse, but like he kind of like doesn't like the industry. Mm-hmm. So like that's why it's hard to get him to do stuff because like like I believe that Dame wanted to sign him to a production deal. Dame Dash and like Ski was like, no, like I'm not dealing with all of that. Interesting. Shit. I um I also read that uh <clears throat> he played he actually played um the Lucini instrumental for Biggie. Biggie heard it and he wanted it. Damn. Um and damn yeah. I mean, yo, shout out to Cam Lowe, but Biggie yeah. would have killed yeah, that shit. Yeah, Biggie would have killed that. And Jay heard it too. But these were things, these were beats that made, ultimately made Hove work with him. Mm-hmm. Was like hearing shit like that. So, you know, um, we still got something from it out of out of Jay at least. So, yeah. Um, what was really interesting was that, okay, so the song Cooley High. Mm-hmm. So obviously this is it, is like the song, right? But Cooley High is also a song that I really gravitated yeah, to. Yeah, same. Project. And apparently that was their demo. And when they originally had the song, it was over um, Michael Jackson's The Lady of My Life. Mm. And they couldn't get the sample cleared. So then they used a Janet Jackson sample and Janet wouldn't clear it. So then they, that's why, like, if you listen to it, it sounds like The Lady of My Life, but, like, it's just, like, distorted. Like, they had to, like, change, like, certain yeah, parts yeah, yeah. on it. And I just thought that was very interesting. Cause I was like, damn, like, Mike, I thought Mike was cool, but I, I think it was because they didn't have... Um, a relationship with uh, Sony mm-hmm. because Mike Mike was fairly nice about clearing samples. With yeah, I thought so too. Mike probably heard it and was like, "Who are these niggas? Yeah, <laughs> who are these niggas? <laughs> who are these niggas? <laughs> who are these niggas? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. because Cooley High is a standout for me too. I also really really like Sparkle. Sparkle's Sparkle? a dope one. Um, because Sparkle kind of ties in. Obviously, we know about uh Sparkle the 70s film yes you know um so it ties in from there and then also just gives it this 90s feel the vibe is great um it's a direct reference to the movie um ties in that 70s that 70s funk oh yeah um, yeah also like what i also was thinking about right like i i enjoyed like how they pretty much gave like a depiction of new york city mm-hmm. like and it just made me feel like all right like in 97 at this time like there were so many I could I could be wrong. So this is just me like going off of like my research. But in New York City, like there were literally sections for you to go to, like whatever you wanted to like vibe with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for like yeah. this, like for them, like obviously you have a place like the tunnel. Yeah. And the tunnel is just like mainstream hardcore hip hop, mm-hmm. right? But then like they had like places that they were going to on like like downtown Brooklyn and and, and Lower Manhattan, mm-hmm. where we were just like vibing out, yeah. Like people just like playing live instruments and like just being on some real hip hop shit, yeah. And like me like researching and like finding like okay, like they're making references to some of these places, like you know, or them fucking around like going to like Lyricist Lounge and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like I just thought that was fucking fire. Yeah, as I also yeah, because something like this would fit Lyricist Lounge. Um, as an outside New Yorker, like growing up, I always kind of got that vibe already, where it was like New York is sectioned off, and it, and every type of thing isn't welcome in every type of place. Mm-hmm. So like there was different places for different things, um, different vibes, different areas. So I did always like kind of have that feel. I just always reference like New York as being like oh graffiti art. Um, so, yeah, I get what you're saying. And them being from the Bronx, that makes sense. Yeah, like, they, they're, they're from the Bronx. They have a song on an album that's that's called uh, Spanish Harlem. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was just like, all right, like, they, like, they're, like, those kind of New Yorkers. Like, they're the kind of New Yorkers, like, where um, 
they could probably like they probably have like spots that they just go everywhere. <laughs> like they probably always know what about weed. Yeah, like that. Like, yeah, they yeah. They just yeah. have like like they're those kind of New Yorkers because like uh, take a. I'll give you an example. So like, take like uh, a lot of the members of Wu Tang. Like they didn't really like outside of going to Brooklyn. They they really didn't come to New York City that much. Mm-hmm. Like they would take like like Method Man and you guys had jobs working at the ferry and shit. But like they would literally just take the boat there, like work downtown and go right back. Mm-hmm. So like some like there sometimes like New York rappers you think like oh New York City, but like they don't leave their boroughs and stuff right. like that. So like basically like knowing like these guys were like well traveled in. The, the the five barrels and shit. I was just like, oh, okay, cool. I, I just picked that up as a reference. Also, something that I picked up was the the features that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Butterfly from Dilated Pe- Peoples, and I always make sh- I always fuck his name up, <laughs> and I hate that I do it. Um, Trugoy. There you go, Trugoy from yeah. from De La Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was just interesting. I think it was interesting one because like I I feel like they have like a lot of De La Soul influence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they got him on the project was really dope. I, I don't, I'm like shocked that like there was no way like they crossed paths. Maybe they did, but like with like Q-Tip. That's true. I you do. I would get like a big Q-Tip vibe, especially around this time, the early mid '90s rather. Yeah. Q-Tip was kind of transitioning his sound. Like from '99 to 2000, his sound became a lot different from what we knew in the early '90s. Mm-hmm. But he would fit right into this. Yeah. You're right. And it, and it gave me, like, Outkast and, like, Far Side influence as well. Same. Um, and then listening to this album, it made me think of albums like uh, like Watch the Throne. Um, not, you know, it's not luxury raps or nothing like that. And the content isn't the same at all. But I was just thinking about, like, how it was such a big deal when they made Watch the Throne because they made it in the same hotel room. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to, like, make sure we knew that. And, like, you listen to an album like this, and something like this just wouldn't exist if they wasn't in the same room. Absolutely. Like, it just, it legit sounds like they was in the same place, same creative space, right across from each other recording this shit. Nah, they they was. That's what I read. There was no You want to know else? Is it, they, they don't have that many interviews on, online. No, because I looked. Yeah. Yeah. So, they have, uh, I want to say, like, there's, like, two interviews that I found that I watched while I was at work, because I had an overnight the other night. And like basically, they were just like talking. You could tell that they're just best friends. Like mm-hmm. they were snapping on each other in the interview. Like it was a very unserious interview. Mm-hmm. And like I was like, damn, like this is pretty cool. Like these, you know, like these two guys, like they've been friends since forever. They're in a group. They make music and like they make money, but like they're not worried about being like rich, rich. Mm-hmm. And they they do festivals, they do shows, they tour, and they chilling. Like they have like good lives. And I just think that that was dope. And then also, I thought it was pretty cool that like. They didn't at that and so in '97 also like a lot of people were disenfranchised with Puff because like he was bringing all like this shiny root rap Chinese suit rap shit. Mm-hmm. They embraced, they said that shit. They was like yo that shit is dope too. Like yeah, like they just didn't. They weren't. They were just indifferent to everything. They were mm-hmm. just like yo everybody can like eat. Everybody everything can is win. Dope. Yeah, and I thought that was cool because at that time remember like Bad Boy was getting like a lot of backlash for what they was doing. Mm-hmm. And shit, and like these guys was just like, yo. And then literally, all one, shit is cool. And one year after this was when we met DMX, yeah. and and just everything changed. But you're right, everything, everything, everybody had a shot, and I think they showed that. Yeah. Um, and with them, I think it was, I think it was um, one. I think it, I want to say it was Chiba. It's one of them. Let me see which one it was. Yeah, I think it was Sonny that like approached uh, Ski Beats and was like, "Yo, yeah, I want to rap." And then next time that he saw him, 
he had uh he had Geechee with him mm-hmm. and he was like yeah we're gonna focus on rapping and you're gonna produce and he just got something going for them like it happened that organically yeah um and then shit just came together for them like i really liked it as far as as far as some other standouts i already named sparkle uh lucini obviously killing them softly is really good really well produced um it even i mean obviously you think of fuji's when you hear killing them softly and even when you hear the song i can kind of get that vibe too um what else my other my other big stand oh black connection black connection was like really really well executed the production is just so good like you don't even have to listen to what they're talking about on the song it's just the production for me that sells it um, um and it, and it's like that a lot for some of these on here and just for just for being able to to listen to the chemistry that they have on these on these songs is great i agree um well I'll, I'll give you some stuff like sparkle like i wrote like was like a seductive track mm-hmm. um swing I, I swing featuring butterfly i was like yo this is funk this is funky like i i, I like i liked it it was kind of like i like the rhythm to that shit black nostalgia i was like yo this is kind of like very like this is a, a thick but in like a good way um kind of project like mm-hmm. thick and flavorful crystal was powerful it, it like just gave me like a I don't know. It just gave me like mystical Erica Badu vibes. I don't yeah, know yeah. Where I got that shit right. Mm-hmm. And then um, obviously like rocking it, aka Spanish drink, was something that like I just like really enjoyed. Yeah. And like, as soon as I yeah. saw it, I was like, yeah, nah, Torian's gonna go straight to this. Yeah. And yeah. then like obviously like like I said like uh, this is it and Coolie High are like my, like the two best tracks on the album. Yeah. But um, like the album was just like cohesive. It was just something that like I really, really, really uh, like I could recommend it like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. And say I'm gonna listen to this album all the time. But what I will say is, is that like to clean my crib, mm-hmm. or like to like just be like tr- trying to have background music for something that I know like I'm not gonna like keep going back to like check mm-hmm. and skip. I'm gonna play play this project. Okay. And is there anything that you heard on here that you that was just absolute piss? I can't say that. No. Like, yeah. that, so that's what's so hard to me because it's just like, and I think it's because like I'm. All right. I'm. I'm gonna say something. All right. I can listen to music and other genres, and I don't have a definition of what a classic is in, in other genres. So, like, let's say when I listen to like different rock albums, right? They 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 might sound completely different, but they both can be classics. Mm-hmm. And, and hip hop, like, I've always kind of had like a certain like check things that check off for a classic, but I couldn't tell you anything bad about this album. Okay. And I think that, and I think that I also recognize that because like uh with De La Soul's Three Feet and Rising, I kinda feel the same exact way. Like I can't say anything bad about that project, but it's like I wouldn't I would I like I, I gotta like really It wouldn't be your day to day. Yeah, it wouldn't be to... my day to day. So it's just like I'm like, damn, like what can I like, you know, so I think sometimes I have to like really rethink like my whole pr- process of classics mm-hmm. because there's certain projects where I'm just like, yo, this is good. It's just like it's not my vibe or like my thing and in hip hop because hip hop is so much of my identity I think I put too, so much of my identity into how I judge an album versus just me being like yo this is good music because in other genres I don't do it yeah 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 like if I listen to a really good country music album I'm like yo this is a good country music album I think it's a and classic and you can just separate from yeah it. and I can separate from, from hip hop I can't because I identify with it so much know what you just had a revelation yeah that's what this just was yeah that's what it seems like um, I think for me, 
Yeah, so there's maybe like two songs on here that I'm like, eh. Um, Nikki Barnes. Nikki Barnes is all right. The chorus is not that good to me. Um, I think that's what knocks it off. But the songs that I'm critical about, there's always something else that I really like about it. So if it's not the lyric, if it's not the chorus, it's uh, the production that still like kind of right. puts it at the top for me. Um, so I think similar to you, there aren't that many songs on here that I'm that I'm not really fucking with. But if I had to nitpick, um, Park Joint. Park Joint is like, and that's the third song coming off of Lucini, which is already yeah, tough. Yeah. Um, and, and, that's, then, and that's a that's a that's a crazy high to be mm-hmm. coming down from, right? Yeah. Um, I will say that like, uh, cause like when I was first listening to it, I was cleaning. I was like, damn, like sometimes their voices kind of get a little bit too much, too much, like the way that like they were like, uh, pronoun- like pronouncing things mm-hmm. and like saying it, like they was like, mm-hmm. like yeah, aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yo, why are they doing that? Like, yeah. you don't got to do that. Like, yeah, there's a, there's a song, yeah, word. And there's a song on here, I think it's called, oh yeah, it's actually Killing Them Softly, which I liked, mm-hmm. but their flows remind me of Method Man, even right. the breath control. Um, the breath control remind me of Method Man. But it also sounded like Mob Deep would have went crazy on this. Mm. There's like certain songs on here that I hear that I'm just like, man, this person would have sound would have went crazy. This person would have went crazy. Um, but just taking it for what it was and for the time frame, I was impressed with this album. I will say that, and it had me look at. Um, I was like, yeah, what else did Camp Low drop? And their only other album was in t- 2002, and they didn't do that Let's well. Do it again, yeah. yeah, and they didn't do that well. Um, and it came out came out five years after. And it's the title reference to Let's Do It Again in 1975. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm curious to see, like, what their story is. Like, what what came after this for them? Are they still cool? They're like, still cool. Okay. They just, oh, no, sorry. So they had they had three albums. Yeah, they have. They have, they have a, yeah, I was going to say that, albums. but I was like, maybe I did something wrong. Or four? Which albums did they? No, they have more albums than that. They, okay. They just, cause I want to say they had something to come out, like, in, like, the... I want to say, like, in, like, the last 10 years, I know that's still, like, a long time. Yeah. They've had other projects. Okay, so, sorry. So, they've had four albums. The last album that they came out with was in 2009, and it was called Another Heist. Okay, okay. Not the last 10 years, the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, pretty much they stayed with the theme of of Uptown Saturday Night, Mm -hmm. like, because Uptown Saturday Night is a a heist movie. Yeah, yeah. So, I think think stuff like that, you could probably risk running dry, you know, is the thing that Kanye like kind of got himself out of because mm-hmm. he didn't stay in the theme of um, college dropout and everything. Um, and you can kind of just risk running dry with that idea. Mm-hmm. But overall, you ready for your rating? I'm, I'm curious. I'm not ready this. for it, man. I'm curious. I got to hear this. Because I don't know what the fuck it, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know how to rate this album. Mm-hmm. I cannot separate my who I identify as a rap fan to what this project is, and I'm I'm really just like having a hard time. But I will say this: um, when I think about when I when I judge it, the only way I can make sense of it is if I think about what else came out in '97. And because this project was so unique, it was so impactful, it was still talked about, even though like they they weren't as big as stars as the other rappers. I give it five out of five waffles. Wow. I give it five out of five waffles because um I put like this album could have came out today and been fine. It was a timeless project. Mm-hmm. Like it like right? So the theme held held up. 
another thing. Like, I know it might not be the most important thing, but that album cover is going to be talked about till the end of time. Mm -hmm. Like, what they did and the fact that they were able to recreate something that was already an album cover, a famous painting, mm -hmm. and, like, it still, like, hold, hold weight. Um, also, the production that Ski did on the project was flawless. Um, their rapping was great, and they were able to just... They were so outside of the box of the norm, and I think that's, like, what sold me the most. Like, that they that they they went against the grain of what was what came out that year mm -hmm. and were able to able to like make an album that stands out amongst all of the other projects like cuz you got to think Scarface uh, um Untouchable came out right Mace Harlem World's de Mace's debut album Harlem World came out Puffy's debut album No Way Out came out Biggie's um double disc album came out in 97 Mhm mm Shit, um, Super Duper Fly came out that year. Yep. Right? Uh, Bone Thugs came out that year. The War Report came out that year. Jay-Z's In My Lifetime came out that year. Buster Rhymes' When the Disaster Strikes came out that year. So for me, I'm... I'm oh, and Wu-Tang Forever. Yeah. So I'm like, wow. Like, those all of those albums minus Missy were really... Oh, and uh, Comments Nobody Smiling. Uh... Not well, not nobody smiling. Oh. Nobody smiling was later, later. Okay. Um. Uh, so I, it wasn't. What common album was that in ninety seven? Nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, let me know because I I couldn't oh. remember. Oh yeah, one day it all makes sense. One day it all makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So one day it all makes sense. Okay. One day it all makes sense. Um. That, like, all, all of those albums kind of had aggressive kind of energy towards it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I just like I just really, really admire how they made a project that was so, like, far left. Yeah. And, like, they just stayed out the way. They, they did it without cursing. They did it without, you know, all of that stuff. And I was just like, all right, this this makes a lot of sense. And I, I get it. And it's proven because, like, you still hear this is it. Like, the, the instrumental played, mm -hmm. like, on the radio. Like, when Funk Flex is, like, talking on the radio mm -hmm. or something like that. You still hear, hear the instrumental. It's and a it's a, it's a great, it's really, really great. I think, um, and I share all the sentiments that you did. Um, and I'll, I'll share my rating, too, if you were. Were you about to say something else? No, that's it. So, for me, I'll, I'll give it a four. I'll okay. give it a four. And I think my rating is more based on... Of respect value than it is for how I feel about the actual album. So mm. the the album I respect it a lot. I respect it for where they went with it. I respect it for the work ethic, the production, the lyricism is there too. Like all of it is all of it is really good. It's just I never see myself listening to this. Right. Other than maybe two three songs on here um, that that I would listen to if I if I'm in that vibe if I'm in that mood. Um, like you said, it was a crowded year. They came out January that year. Mm -hmm. um, so they had a chance to kind of set the palette for how the year was going to go. And so I don't even think they were conscious of that. They were just putting out some shit that was near and dear to them. That's what made it enjoyable because nothing was like it that year. Um, like you said, we had all these other amazing albums that just don't fit in the same bucket as this album. Um, and it stands out. For that reason, it stands out. Um there's a lot of iconic things about this album that I just respect. So the album cover, the them working with Ski Beats, uh, them being a tandem, them having them finding a the pocket so fast because they didn't know each other that long. Right. Um, those are all things I respect. But music wise, it doesn't like blow me away. I think if I think if Ski 
I don't know. Like the one thing that I don't know is like how their relationship with Ski was. Mm-hmm. I personally think if they if their relationship with Ski would have continued, like they probably could have gotten to like outcast like a New York outcast. I could see that too because then they could have um, reinvented themselves and not even just Ski because when I listen to it, I also think a little brother. Yeah. I think a little brother. I think of um, and then I think that automatically makes me think of Ninth Wonder. Mm-hmm. So like, what they could have did with other like seemingly conscious type producers that that uh that they could work with and i wouldn't even i don't even know if i would categorize them as conscious they just rapping from the heart like yeah. they're rapping yeah that's, that's why i got outcast from yeah. them because it was like it was like they weren't like trying to be like in the aquarians or anything mm-hmm. like that they were just like yo like we like black exploitation and we new yorkers yeah it's fire that that in itself um but i'm com- i'm comfortable giving it a four but um I know, I think our audience, um, I would recommend you guys listening to this. I do too. Yeah. Um, just to just to see what you take away from it. It came out in 97. It's a lot of great albums came out in 97, but it's easy to forget that this came out that year because it came out at the top of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen to it and let us know what you think and get back to us. Camp Low, uh, Uptown Saturday Night. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Tori and V. And we're out of here. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Yeah, man, I, that that album really really took me for a loop on that one. Yeah. Give me your fucking money. <laughs> dun dun.